circle, yes, we rotate 360 degrees, high, high, 360 degrees, high, high, 306, 306, 360 degrees, high, high, Alright, good evening everyone and welcome to Full Circle, your cultural affairs radio magazine produced by members and graduates of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program. We're broadcasting from right here at KPFA in Huchin, occupied Ohlone territory, also known to settlers as Berkeley, California. Tonight on Full Circle, we bring you more vital information beneficial to our communities. On tonight's show, we'll hear from SLAP, that's Schools and Labor Against Privatization, as teachers, labor leaders, and parents occupy a school set for closure in Oakland. We'll also hear from First Voice graduate Josiah Luis Alderete and his bookstore Hermana Tan Con Cal as they embark on a new mission in the mission as co-owners of a new bookstore in San Francisco, medicine for nightmares and i will be kindly asking for your support for kpfa as we close out the spring fun drive all that tonight on full circle i am your host free will and franklin coming to you from downtown antioch this is bay miwok territory keep it locked right here to kpfa Yeah, welcome back to Full Circle, the weekly show produced by apprentices and graduates of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program. My name is Free Will and Franklin, and I am your host for tonight. And before we get started, let me say thank you. Thank you, thank you to all the folks that donated during this fun drive. KPFA folks have been working hard to bring you great programming as uninterrupted as possible. Always remember, KPFA is a precious resource filled with vital information and unique music programming. We are a listener-sponsored station. That means we keep operations going through your donations. So again, from all of us here at Full Circle and KPFA, we thank you, we appreciate you. And at any time during the show tonight that you feel moved to donate, please do so at kpfa.org. O-R-G. You could jump on the website and check out all the cool stuff KPFA has to offer. Books, t-shirts, hoodies, all these things are on the website. KPFA.org. Yeah, so as I mentioned tonight in the intro to the show, we will be featuring sounds from SLAP, Schools and Labor Against Privatization. In response to the attempted privatization of Oakland schools and the Port of Oakland, schools and labor have united to fight for public resources and living wage jobs. On their website, SLAP organizers write, We are a labor and community coalition formed to defend our cities from privatization efforts by billionaires like the Waltons of Walmart, Bloomberg, and also Fisher, the Oakland A's owner. As a collective, we understand that Oakland is not the only American city under attack from billionaires attempting to privatize and gentrify for personal monetary gain. 
We understand that black and brown communities across the country continue to be disproportionately affected by the resulting wealth gap epidemic. That's from the SLAP website. Well, on Wednesday, May 25th, one of the schools set for closure, Parker Elementary School in Oakland, was occupied by students and parents, along with the support of teachers and the community. Here is some audio from the occupation that recently aired on the Pacifica radio national show, COVID, Race, and Democracy. It was produced by Steve Zelser of WorkWeek Radio and the Labor Video Project. Check it out. What we're doing right now is healing the community. OUSD is selling the front of that they're full-service community schools, which they're not. This is how you start. This is what transparency looks like. We want them to look at us as a mock of what they should be demonstrating to us. We want them to know that we're here to serve the community. And when you say that you want every student to thrive, you don't leave people behind. We're gonna offer classes starting on Tuesday because Monday is a holiday. But Tuesday to Thursday, we will be active in this building. We will be teaching 21st century literacy because we know that our kids need to excel and they need to be able to support their families to come. We need to start owning things. So when we say we're reclaiming this land and we're giving it back to the community, we're giving it back because your tax dollars pay into this school. We need that to work for the community that it serves. They just got billions of dollars for community schools from the governor that's coming down the line and they're giving that to schools that they plan to close next year. My name is Timothy Killings. Um, I'm a case manager at Westlake Middle School, and I'm here because they're closing down um, schools in black and brown neighborhoods, and we want the community um, to have the school. So we asked them. We went on strike. We um, had we we packed their board meetings. Um, we, we've tried everything to try to get them to reverse their decision. So um, I feel like this is the most militant action we've done tuck so far, and I'm here for it. Yeah. There's a lot of money in California. You have a lot of billionaires. A lot of money in California, a lot of money in Oakland. They just got $66 million for community schools. Some of the schools that they put in for that grant are the exact same schools that they're closing down. So um, we know that the money's there. It's just the, it's the will is not. And so um, whenever politicians and rich people are going against the will of the people, that's, that you get stuff like this, you know, liberations and land liberation. So I feel like this is the direction for it. And, and they're not closing any schools in the white community. It's all uh, black. Do you think that has something to do with systemic racism? Or? I definitely think that is institutionalized racism. I think that it's a, a um, intensification of gentrification. And, um, yeah, we, we, we know it's racism, and that's why we're fighting back. And, um, like I said, this school was 58% black. This school was almost 60% black. 30% Latino, and every, almost every school that you look at, you can look at this poster right here, um, that's, it's going on around the whole country, where it's a tax on our communities, but um, we're here for the fight. You definitely need security at nighttime. Um, the, you could get on a text list that you can, uh, if, the, if the police come, try to remove people for trespassing. Um, we need a, a big, we need numbers to come out here. You also can donate food. Um, just show up, we need bodies. This is a labor community effort? Um, it's a parents, community, teachers, labor. Um, yeah, it's the, whole East, it's, it's the whole Oakland community. What does this have to do with the Port of Oakland, the Longshoremen? 
Um, the Port of Oakland, this school, when they when they close schools down, they usually tend to sell them to developers or give long-term leases to charter schools, um, which is putting public money in private hands. The longshoremen are going through the same thing at their port, um, where we have a billionaire named John Fisher who is trying to build an A stadium. Um, on Howard Terminal, but the A Stadium is just $1 billion. Um, it's a $12 billion deal, so it's really just a real estate grab, you know, under the guise that we that is a baseball stadium. So uh, I, I suggest people really just look into that, oppose the Howard Terminal, and um, so we could keep the port for the port and keep those jobs for Oaklanders. My name is Frankie Velez. Uh-huh, and I'm here today to support the community, support the justice community, um, to help to emancipate and liberate ourselves as human beings, as uh, people who are searching for our own path, and to no longer be oppressed. I mean, that's why I'm here, and I have two babies. I have a four-year-old and a six-year-old Yeah, for my children. I'm my name is Jaciana, and I'm 13, um, and I came here today for Parker, just to help out and, like, support. Um, well, we've been here for like um, a week already. Uh, we've been sleeping here, and we're just trying to have people come out and support us. So, yeah. And closing a school, what what would that mean to you and the community here? Well, for the community and for me too, like this school has been here for a long time, and like especially for the community around here, like it's gonna be hard for the kids to go to school because this is like the one school that everybody walks here and comes here. So my sister, her name is Jemaya. She had been here for five months and she loves this school. So it's like it's closing and it's sad. They say that there's not enough kids here, um, and there's supposed to be three hundred. And there's only 200 something, but I feel like why does it matter? Like it doesn't matter. There's a school and there's kids here and you're teaching them. My name's Love and I think it's not fair. I think it's not fair because they're moving like other uh, kids to another school that might be far away from their home and they're gonna have to like walk and waste more gas. And you need a community school. Yeah. Okay, thanks. What's your name again? My name's Love. Thank you, Love. I'm Linda Self. I'm a speech-language pathologist. Um, I work at Horace Mann, and I work at Markham Elementary as well. Horace Mann is one of the schools that's slated for closure next year, and we believe that they are cutting our enrollment prematurely. They, we, I have at least one parent who has told me that they have been dissuaded from enrolling their kindergartner in our school. And we lost two excellent teachers, a minimum of a loss of two excellent teachers. There may be further loss. Um, and it's gutting our school already, so it's a loss on top of a loss. But especially the older students definitely feel it, and they have big concerns for their younger brothers and sisters. And the middle school and high school students whose little brothers and sisters go to our school are very worried for their siblings um, and for their families. They know that it's going to be so much harder to get the kids to school on time regularly. They don't have money. They they don't have cars necessarily. They're trying to walk their kids to school. Um, the, just the danger of walking to kids to school in East Oakland is cannot be underestimated. There are so many students that and families that have been killed walking in the streets of Oakland. The way that traffic is, it's very dangerous. And so to increase those distances, it has a huge impact on our students. Gennaro Baltrip, local team member, and I'm a community member. I live in the Oakland area, 
and I don't like the fact that the schools are being closed down. It's just dealing with the fact that our community is being gentrified. Things are being taken away from the public means, like schools. Schools are being taken away from the means of the people, the means, the things that we need in the community to, um, to bring life to our community, to educate our people in our community, to give the youth opportunities in the community. And if you take away their education, what are they going to have? It's like a prison of pipeline system. And then you want to bring in a ballpark in an area where there's like noise 24-7. There's an operation going on with container ships. And we need goods. We need commerce. We need things coming in and out of the Bay Area. So it's like we have to look at what's really important. The things that we need are like schools to educate our youth and to educate our community so we could build a stronger community. And then we need places to have adequate um, jobs, like Longshore positions. Kimberly King, I'm a psychology faculty at Laney College, and I'm here with the, I represent in the Laney Poor People's Campaign. And I'm here because all students deserve community schools. There's no reason for them to be shutting down these schools. Oakland is a very wealthy city. They need to, if they can't afford it, they need to find a way to tax corporations more. It's ridiculous. Um, all kids deserve a school in their neighborhoods. They shouldn't have to go far away to find school. Why is it okay for rich kids to have private schools with small numbers of kids in the class? But when a poor school has less than 25 kids in the class, oh, that's too small. That doesn't make any sense. If anything, the poor kids need smaller schools more. Laney, Laney is cutting so many of its classes, and not just Laney, but all the Peralta colleges. The union and the students and the faculty are trying to fight against that, but the chancellor just thinks for some reason that we should be cutting classes, even though it's been a pandemic. Of course enrollment has gone down. That doesn't mean if we keep cutting classes, that's going to guarantee that we'll have low enrollment, which is going to guarantee that we're going to keep having low enrollment. If students can't get the classes they need to pass, then in order to get their degree, they're going to start going to other districts. And as you know, City College of San Francisco lost, they laid off 38 tenured faculty. I've never heard of that happening. Tenured faculty in addition to 130 plus part-time faculty. My name is Shane. I am a teacher in Oakland Unified School District. I teach at a high school. What's going on here and uh, with the teachers and uh, are they fighting to stop these closures? Yeah, the, you know, the, there are you know, teachers, parents, students, other community members all, you know, kind of joining together in this effort to stop the school closures of not just Parker, but also the four, the other three that they're trying to close at the end of this year, or they have closed, essentially, and then also the eight or nine, however many they are trying to close next year as well. The main goal, you know, in this state of the Democrats, you know, seems to be to, you know, try as best as possible to, to make sure the labor movement is divided up. Um, so the building trades, you know, who hold a lot of, you know, have a lot of workers and um, have a lot of sway in the Alameda Labor Council. Um, so there you saw why uh, I think that, you know, they, they've been for this ballpark uh, to be go. By John Fisher, who's the owner of the A's, also heavily involved in the privatization of public schools through uh, a charter network called Knowledge is Power Program, KIPP and Rocket Ship. So, that's, you know, where the Longshore, the, you know, the, the coalition with Longshore made sense is they're fighting this privatization of their uh, Howard Terminal. 
and as teachers are fighting the privatization of their sites. My name is uh, Joel Velasquez. I am a parent of three, uh, Oakland resident 30 years, and I live here in District 6, a few blocks away from Parker Elementary. 2012, there was a very similar uh, situation where the school board said there was a budget deficit. Um, and after a long year of trying to engage with the school board, the superintendent, even city council, they still decided to close five schools, which were the first of 30 schools in total. That's what OUSD wanted to do. And on the last day of the school, just like Aslina, we decided we're not leaving. And we took over the space and started a freedom school there uh, on the last day of school, almost exactly 10 years ago. We created programs of freedom school for kids during the summer there, Monday through Friday. Uh, we held events on the weekends to kind of talk about public education and what's happening with charters moving in. Today, I think we're at 41 or 41 charters in Oakland, California. We have the highest number of charter schools per capita for the size of the district than any other city in the state of California. I think there's a much larger conversation just to bring the national, this is something that's happening in every city across the nation right now and has been happening uh, throughout the nation around attacks and black around communities uh, around closing schools and moving charters in. So it's not just Oakland. There's definitely multiple, multiple layers. I mean, look around where the space is at, right? I mean, I got a view of the entire Bay Area. We have houses up here that are million dollar houses. There are people that don't want to see an almost all black school in the neighborhood, right? I mean, that's facts, but we can't be making decisions around real estate or those kind of things when we were talking about our public education system, that this is the only resource left in this community for black and brown students. I mean, this is it. This is the only resource. This is the space for this community to come together. And you take that away, what's left? I'm Alma DeLuke. I'm a retired teacher, taught in three different states and ended up here in California. So my heart is in public schools. I went to public schools in Houston, Texas. And I just don't know how we're gonna make it without public schools. I don't know what the plan is. And the plan that I've seen so far doesn't look too workable. I worked at Horace Mann for eight years as a volunteer. I um, taught reading in, in my regular job, so I had several reading groups that I worked with to improve their reading skills. And I've been there ever since, and I just hate what's happening to our public schools. I just hate it, and it's not necessary. It's just that we need to put our foot down and say no more. You know, we're not standing for it. Well, I believe this is an excellent example. We got people spending the night here to keep them from <laughs> messing up. And, and their parents, they want the best for their kids. And every parent, whether you're rich or poor, you have children, you want the best for them. My name is Victoria King, and I am here because in 2012, I was one of the workers at Maxwell Park when they closed Maxwell Park down. I went there as a child, my kids went there, the neighborhood kids went there, they had to go to Allendale. They have to walk across High Street, which is a really dangerous street in order to get there. Um, it just, it caused a lot of problems for the parents and now it's a school, but it's not for the neighborhood kids anymore. And what's driving this? Who's behind this? Well, I think that 
the city's behind it, the real estate is behind it, corporations are behind it, speculators coming in, taking pictures of these schools before the kids are even off the campus. It's sad. They want the land, yeah, and then they'll start building up around here. You know, they'll tell us they can't build in West Oakland because it's toxic, but they don't care that it's toxic for the climate, so it's been toxic for years. The next person that's going to be on the microphone um, is somebody who is a poet and somebody who's also been doing security for us late night, every night in the cold, making sure that all the kids and all the mothers inside are safe. So let's give it up for Tongo. Guided by teeth goes this country. There's a cow's mouth on the flag. A peculiar notepad holds street life gear, but the writer's not here. He's somewhere talking to tombstones about the good old days of splashing reborn water on his latest face. Or wondering how's old gun doing in the afterlife. Wondering how much death trap is in those gas station hours. It gotta be a million dollars a day on this concrete island. New engine in the moon while it never goes down. I mean, 72 straight hours at night, at least according to everyone's posture around here. 8.30 in the morning is really 30 minutes of closing. The city shuts down for a sleepy rat race. Elevator shoe shuffle to the nearest heaven. Laughing with rats the whole way up. There's scabs everywhere in puddles of city. In concentrated schools and TV lit warm rooms, the light reveals military fatigue when it hits just right on the ties that are wrapped around the necks of lazy white guys. Empire is too easy, baby. Chat at the walls all summer if you feel like it. Let's wait for a target to move and shooting back, running for a tree line made of freeways. Wisdom says against a war machine on Tuesday, you stand no chance. But may we be the last poor people to play it safe. Cow's mouth on the flag, a politician raises his hand, and the crowd shows their teeth. An oligarch raises his hand, and little kids are not safe outside. You are high, depressed, and comrades in function. Fifteen minutes of closing in the city has survived another black rebellion. We just paying dues by trash fires, not just anybody can set. Hey, don't you love how deadly things whisper in the moment and people kill like feathers fall while everybody's screaming inside? The writer knows that death is not a matter of dignity, rather humor. In a house that smells like roach races, nuclear percentages on torn stoves. I mean, here life never was. Just lazy matches and manic inhumanity, hands rushing away from life towards stoves. What are we doing here? Surviving for no reason in particular, because nobody gone far today. Nobody go far tomorrow. Trust me, hell and heaven cannot count. Strange gardens where secondhand clothes play. And concrete wishes to be human so that it could be accountable when they find you drenched. And drains wish to be human so that they could be worthy arms for you to die in. They greet them all, grandson. Prepare for the day when every child is coming. Don't say we ghosts didn't write you a poem. Don't say we didn't dig your life. Remember the shotgun by the coat rack that everybody in the house knows how to use. Remember the tightrope made of needles for walking in between driveways and man-made best friends. Go ahead, grandson, tune the street again. Never mind, this country kills musicians first. Broken neck, night, scarred neck, life if these walls could write lyrics. They say, what's your angle, angel eyes? 30 to 50 rounds pass by on the street with no daughters. This street has no sons, just young prisoners of war in a racist city that means to make capital, and we know so much. We know it all. We were stood against walls. Who's on the third cross around here? Cow's mouth salivating over the street. And that is the story of why we aim at teeth. Welcome back to Full Circle right here on 94.1 FM, KPFA and KPFA.org, part of the Pacifica Radio Network. I'm Freewell and Franklin, and you just heard from SLAP, Schools and Labor Against Privatization. You can find out more about SLAP Bay Area at slapbayarea.org. That audio was recorded at Oakland's Parker Elementary School, which is set for closure. Students and parents supported by teachers and other community members have occupied the school and vowed to keep it open and keep on teaching. And that closing poem was by San Francisco poet laureate Tongo Eisenmartin. 
This audio first aired on COVID Race and Democracy, a project of the Pacifica Radio Network, which KPFA is a part of. You can find out more about the show COVID Race and Democracy on the Pacifica website. That's pacificanetwork.org. Also, a big shout out to the producer Steve Zelser of Work Week Radio and the Labor Video Project for providing that sound. You can hear and see more from the Labor Video Project on their YouTube channel, Labor Video. That's all one word, Labor Video. And if you missed any of those websites, of course, after the show, they will all be linked on our website, kpfaapprentice.org. And one quick reminder, we are still asking for your support tonight for KPFA and the Pacifica Radio Network. We did have to extend this fund drive for the first time in I don't know how long. So please, if you are able to offer a monetary donation, head on over to kpfa.org and click on that donate tab. Of course, we really appreciate all the donations made so far. We are the first listener-sponsored station in the country going since 1949. That's 74 years and we wouldn't have made it here without our listeners. Please, one more time, head over to kpfa.org and make a donation tonight. And before we hear from the folks at the Medicine for Nightmares bookstore coming right up, let's take a music break to get us in the mood. This is Read a Book from Casey and Strick, two teachers trying to make a difference. Uh-huh. Why you looking real clueless? Don't get mad at me when your friends are calling you stupid. I 
guess they really not my friends if they look down on me then. Nope. Would it really hurt if I do some reading? Nope, it won't hurt, not at all. As long as you try this all and give your all. When you just read a book, you can really gain some knowledge when you read a book. You can stimulate your mind when you read a book. You might as well go ahead and just read a book. I can really gain some knowledge when I read a book. I can stimulate my mind when I read a book. Even with my friends, I can read a book. All right, you're listening to Full Circle right here on 94.1 FM. This is KPFA and KPFA.org, part of the Pacifica Radio Network. And that was Read a Book by Casey and Strick, two teachers trying to make a difference. I figured since we just heard from some teachers and parents in our last piece, and we'll be featuring a bookstore in our next segment. What a great choice, right? Shout out to me for finding that. Hey. Uh, well, up next, we are headed to the Medicine for Nightmares bookstore and community space in San Francisco's Mission District. One of the co-owners is First Voice graduate and poet extraordinaire, Josiah Luis Adorete. And the other co-owners are Tan Khan Kao. She is also in the interview. Also, the founder of Nomadic Press, J.K. Fowler, who unfortunately wasn't there at the time of this recording. So check it out. All right. Welcome to Full Circle. This is Freewell and Franklin. I'm down here um, on 24th Street, just off mission at 3036 24th Street, Medicine for Nightmares bookstore. And we have a special connection to this bookstore because not only is one of the co-owners and partners a famous poet and a person you've heard many times on the KPFA airwaves. You might have ate some of his tacos sometime. <laughs> it's probably true. It's probably true. Um, where was that at? Remind me. Casa Manana. Casa Manana. And, um, the only Chicano taco shop in Marin County. At the time, yeah. I mean, and then it's gone. Yeah, and then it's gone. Also, a graduate First Voice apprentice of the KPFA First Voice Apprenticeship Program. Yeah. So he's co-owner of a bookstore. Tell me how, oh, and um, and we're also joined by his, uh, would you refer to her as your bookstore? Bookstore hermana. Uh, bookstore sister? Yes. Uh, Ton, how you doing, Ton? I'm great, how are you? Doing really good. All right, well, Josiah, we'll start with you. Tell us what's going on. You got your part owner of a bookstore. Tell us about uh, Medicine for Nightmares or Medicina, how do you say it? Medicina para pesadillas. Yeah, yeah, Tell Not quesadillas, pesadillas, yeah. Well, what what's uh, what, what what can we say about this bookstore? This is a this is a bookstore that me and my bookstore sister Tan Kan Kao, along with another partner J.K. Fowler, uh, took over, opened in November of last year, uh, and it is a bookstore right smack dab in the Corazón de la Misión, which, contrary to what many people assume, North Beach is the literary heart of this city we call San Pancho. It's not true. The Mission, La Misión, Calle 24 is a literary heart of the city. And we're here, this bookstore, Medicina Para Pesadillas, is here continuing that legacy of, of literature here in the mission. So it's a it's a beautiful spot to be. We're right across the street from the taco shop. We can smell carnitas in the bookstore. It's a beautiful feeling. So uh, yeah, man, it just feels really good being here. And I, I imagine, and I'm, I'm sure I know, you are a part of this bookstore. It's not going to be an ordinary uh, run-of-the-mill bookstore. Tell us what kind of uh, books and stuff you're going to have here. 
Oh, that, let, let me, let me, Ton, Ton's going to tell you about the books that we have here. All right, Ton. So, yeah, um, welcome again, Ton. You being uh, associated with this guy right here, I'm assuming that this is not no ordinary average bookstore, but it's going to be extra special. Tell us about what one might find if they come down to uh, Medicine for Nightmares. Well, we consider ourselves, uh, and as many other people do so far, a, a good general bookstore. What that means to us is apparently different than what it means to most of the rest of the booksellers and publishers in this country. Um, so as a general bookstore, what we have here reflects more of what we consider, actually no, what is the, the actual world, which is not as the book industry in the United States seems to consider it about 70% white. Um, as far as the books carried, the industry is a lot less diverse than that. Josiah's leaving me now. That's all right, we'll, we'll get him back. He, I know how much of a security blanket he is. Yeah, just tell us about what kind of titles you might find or some of your favorite titles you might find in here. Uh, well, you know, you could say we, we, I don't even like to say that we specialize in like, black and brown voices and then what does that mean you know um i have vietnamese heritage you know the world whether it's fiction poetry uh our history sections um u.s history reflects the history of the population of this country not the um people in power we have probably the largest spanish language section in in the city uh, right now as far as I know and that's something we want to expand a lot it's it's hard to get new books in Spanish but we're we're doing our best so how about you Josiah tell us about some of um, your favorite titles here and uh, why this bookstore is gonna stand out some of my favorite titles well I'm biased as hell right so I'm gonna tell you like the neighborhood poets are here Leticia Hernandez Linares is here Kathy Arleano is here uh, the Profe Alejandro Murgia is here. Uh, Pochino Press is in the house representing Norman Zelaya. You know, uh, he's here. Uh, Benjamin Boxiara is here. So for me, like, one of the beautiful things about this bookstore is that we do feature literature from the hood, from the neighborhood directly. Like, you, these people walk in here. They hang out. Roberto Lovato's book, I'm Forgetting, is here on the shelves, you know. Um, so, like, for me... That means a lot having these people here, these people that make up the neighborhood, these people that we consider our cultura, that we look to for, for inspiration, you know? But uh, also, man, I'm, I'm really proud of the fact that we're actually, we have a span, and this sounds so strange to say because it's a Latino barrio, uh, but we have a Spanish section, a Spanish language section, you know? Uh, that's a big thing, and, and, and kind of touching on Ton's thing about being a bookstore that really reflects what's going on in the world, like w w what the world's really like. So it sounds kind of crazy to mention that it, it, we have a Spanish section here in the, in the neighborhood, but when you go into bookstores, like how often do you see libros in, in other languages? You know, how often do you see those different people represented? So that's a beautiful thing that we have those here, you know? And not just like the classics, we got like libros, uh, translations of Yuri Herrera, we got Fernanda Melcor, you know? There's a lot of really beautiful uh, Latino writers right now, you know, so people often associate Latino literature with like Gabriel Garcia Marquez, Cortazar, you know, Clarice Spector, 
but we got all these new folks, man. So it's, it's beautiful seeing them on the shelves here. That makes me happy. Well, tell me um, before we get into something even great, greater about this bookstore is that it's an art gallery. But before we go there, tell me um, why it's important for you to be involved in the, the book industry yourself, because I know you're a poet and you, you read a lot. You have a lot of friends um, that are doing poetry and, and been involved with books. So why are you dipping into the business side? Oh, it's just such a money-making thing owning a bookstore, you know? Who wouldn't want to do it? We, we're millionaires. <laughs> well, I mean, come on. It's either that or the tech industry. Or no. we have a GoFundMe. Uh, <laughs> no, no. Why, why, why do it? I mean, it's a labor of love, and, and it's a leap of faith. Porque, like you said, I mean, I'm a, I'm a Bay Area poet. And for me, I mean, I know it's going to be hard for some of the millennials to hear this in Radio Landia, but, you know, before the dinosaurs walked the earth on here in the mission, you, you can just Google, you can look stuff up. You had to go into places like bookstores to find people that you connected with, you know? So for me, like, I spent my entire public e education not reading one Latino writer, except for Julio Cortazar at the end, the last three months. So for me, going into a bookstore and seeing a Chicano writer on the shelf was a, was a moment for me. And it was something that I really want, and, and I believe happens here, where people come in and they see themselves on the shelves, they see some, Rather from where their familia is from, talking about their cultura, you know, and that—that's profound, man. That—that's a big thing for me. So it's—it's, it's, that's honestly it sounds cheesy as hell, but that's one of the reasons that I'm here, is to, is to help people make that connection and keep that, that open, you know. And the fact that bookstores aren't just places that have libros, man. It's—it's it's a place where like ideas are discussed. It's a place where people discover things. It's a place where like. Ideas are exchanged and, and, and you discover things. So it's a it's a big thing. Ton says we're attending a portal in the city. So it's like there's a lot of the old San Francisco here. You know, when people come to the city and they want to know where the real San Francisco is or where the San Francisco is now and they can't see it no more because of the, the techie gray Victorians or like the other pour over coffee shop there or the yoga mats that are selling Mexican blankets as yoga mats. You know, let them yoga stores. But um this place is that, in a lot of ways, I believe this is still that part of old San Francisco, you know? So yeah, we're tending portals. Tom, tending portals. Tell us about like tending the portal and being in the bookstore industry here. Yeah, tending the portal, which feels more like tending a portal than being in the bookstore industry. Um, Medicine for Nightmares to me feels like a place where we can be a little more at ease, not just Josiah and I, but us. You know, and therefore a little more free. Um, a place where, uh, you know, I, I noticed at some point the like profound effect it has on people, and then and then realize what a profound effect it has on me when I walk into a place like a bookstore, and I feel genuinely respected, not just treated politely, but but respected and truly welcomed and um, there have been quite a few people who've come in and looked around and come to us with tears in their eyes Literally. and Literally. told us how moved they are to to both see themselves reflected to be able to to for, for their children to be in a place like this in a bookstore like this and they've never seen anything or felt anything like it before which is pretty much always made us cry too. Yeah. 
Um, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. You know, and, and, and to me, like, the small thing of creating, or it's not even creating, like, tending a, a space that allows that ease, that, that, that's the sense of where people can relax a little bit and, and kind of enjoy being themselves, uh, which is relax enough to be a little more free for however long they stay. And, and, and such a small thing can be actually a really big thing. Definitely. All right. That's the voice of Tan. Tan Kan Kao. Tan Kan Kao, co-owner of Medicine for Nightmares, along with Josiah Luis Alderete, graduate first voice apprentice. And J.K. Fowler. And J.K. Fowler is the third person, unfortunately not here at this moment. But, uh, founder of Nomadic Press. Okay, yeah. So a lot of people may know that name. I'm, for, <laughs> I'm not the bookiest person, hey, but, bookiest. <laughs> hey, but I'm here. I'll do my part. And um, another great thing that we just mentioned a moment ago was that you also have a space in the back right now. It's an art gallery. Yeah. Tell us about the art gallery in general, and then tell us what we're gonna um, hear tonight. Well, the galleria is a uh, is another way to rep the people, the, like the familias, the people that we're part of, the cultures that we're part of. So, like, it's interesting because the gallery, in a lot of ways, uh, I know it's connected to the bookstore, but we also think of it as separate because there's. Like Tan's got basically an art show up every four weeks. She, you know, we're curated throughout the year. It's a space that's like definitely connected to the store, but it's also on its own. There's there's regular readings going on there. There's reading series that happen there. There's musical performances. Uh, David Boyce, the amazing horn player from the Brown Fellinis, has been doing a semi-regular residency here every fr Friday nights. Um, the Son Harocho group, Calle uh, Son from La, La Mision, they come and they practice Tuesdays and Wednesdays here. Um, so there's, it's interesting because in a lot of ways, uh, it's, it's like a, it's like a cultural center, right? I'm, it's connected to the bookstore, and the bookstore is connected to it. So there's, um, they're definitely they're definitely part of the same thing, but it's it's interesting to see the way that they're sort of different. And and the Galleria is is a beautiful space. I mean, it's this well lit, gorgeous, giant room. You know, this is one of those places I think we're like we're different, and that works together really well because I see them as very much part of the same space. Although there is, you know, there's a gallery and a bookstore, yeah. but um, being I'm a visual artist who is most deeply affected in creatively by like writing and music. So. The idea of having a gallery that's in a bookstore where we have music too, like it's just like it's the best. And it, then there's a big skylight and a giant wooden table. It's wonderful. All um, right, tell us about the uh, the artist tonight. <laughs> tonight, um, through the month of May, it opens on the third and goes through the end of the month. We have Ray Bacasegua Valdez, who is um, a marvelous painter, and he is the director of the Northern Nevada chapter of AIM. I'm terrible at describing visual art in words. <laughs> we met Ray, like I came and opened the, the, the Josiah and I don't celebrate Thanksgiving. Is that a surprise? No. <laughs> um, so what do like, like, we're gonna go open the store, what? Yeah. Um, and the first person to walk through the, the doors that day 
after the sunrise ceremony where Ray and his and his daughter and a friend of his whose name I, I don't remember who's a, I think the director of an AIM chapter in um, New Mexico and we ended up having a really really beautiful conversation and he lived in San Francisco uh, I think a long time ago in the 80s for a little while and never thought about showing in San Francisco but we ended up in this conversation in this place and um, so he showed me some of his work and and it just kind of all came from there and and actually with the with the gallery we were booked through the end of the year and, and we opened in November so in January we were like how are we gonna fill this gallery like all year like like we you know and really like it's been really organic it's been very much a like a, a community space like having readings and events surrounded by art that's honest and you know always in some way or another rooted in in community it's, it's really a gallery of world citizens you know yeah, like and 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 it's also very much a neighborhood community space too you know we're, we're super excited about the the next coming months too there's some amazing artists there's um old school muralista uh uh, Lucia uh, Gonzalez uh, Ipolote is going to have an exhibit. Also, uh, Yaro Slaps, amazing artist, incredible artist. Yaro Slaps is going to be up too. Uh, Josue Rojas is also having an exhibit. Uh, so, next couple months are just going to be amazing in the gallery. It's beautiful, beautiful familia going to be up on the walls. And then, lastly, I guess, tell people how they could follow what's happening. How can people follow the, um, the list of people that are coming? They can go to our, uh, if you go to our webpage, there's an events calendar. Uh, all the calendar events for the month are up, and then there's also the gallery who's showing up and all that good stuff. So ta I really encourage people to tap in there because it's pretty crazy how many how many events we've actually been having here. And What's the website? Medicinefornightmares.com. All right. Yes. That's Josiah Luis Alderete and Tan. I don't have it yet. Tan Kan Kao. Tan Kan Kao. I'll get it, though. All right. Well, thank you. They're the co-owners along with... Along with J.K. Fowler, founder of Nomadic Press. And they are all three the co-owners of Medicine for Nightmares right here at 3036 24th Street, just a few blocks east of the 24th Street BART station. Check it out. We'll be right back on Full Circle. All right, you're listening to Full Circle right here on 94.1 FM, KPFA and KPFA.org, part of the Pacifica Radio Network. That was the co-owners of Medicine for Nightmares Bookstore, KPFA First Voice graduate, Josiah Luis Alderete, and his bookstore sister, Tan Khan Cow. Missing was the third co-owner, J.K. Fowler of Nomadic Press. You can follow them at medicineforNightmares.com or on Facebook. And there you can keep up with all their special guests and the artists that will be displaying their art in the gallery. So let's keep on keeping on. Up next, we before we run out of time, I want to let you all hear from the featured artist that was there at the Medicine for Nightmares bookstore the night I was there. This is Native American artist Ray Bacasagua Valdez. He starts by introducing himself. Thank you, Franklin, for you know the interview. And Bacasegua, it's my Yaki, hey Yaki name, Yome, uh, a name. It means from the valley. And uh, I am the 
director of the American Indian Movement, Northern Nevada. I currently reside in Reno, Nevada. And then I sit on the executive grand council for uh, chapter development throughout the United States. Um, and I'm just honored to be here. I thank Ton and Josiah for having me and to show my work and to spread my message uh, through my paintings. Yeah, um, it's great. It's beautiful to see these different works of art and the um, first time I've ever been here. So it's beautiful wow. to see the gallery and everything. Um, tell me about some of your work or some of your favorite pieces out here and what you try to do with your art. Sure. Well, um, being native, I paint, of course, in a, in a native composition. And some, I would say, are aesthetics, but many of them are about our journey ceremonially and in resistance. The show is called Resistance. And um, we're currently in um, a struggle to protect our Turtle Island, our Mother Earth. And some of the paintings uh, depict our, our issue in um, Pahimaha, which is in northern Nevada, northeastern Nevada. Uh, it's called Thacker. Thacker Pass. And let me just mention, uh, just like a week ago, I've already done uh, three times had Thacker Pass on Full Circle, so we're yes. very familiar with it here. So which which one is your, is your Thacker Pass? Well, or there's your... a number of them, All right. of them with, with women in resistance because the women are our strength. We follow them, and, and, and they are holding uh, that, that, that strength for us as life bearers, of course. Yeah. So the piece here called Nipple Point is... Um, it depicts uh, a structure out there in Thacker Pass, which ha has a, a, emulates a nipple in a sense. <laughs> they call it nipple point because everything else is pretty, pretty rolly and flat. This is an area where there was a massacre back in the 1800s. And it's a sacred area. It's a historical area. It crosses over into the uh, McDermott Shoshone tribe uh, uh, reservation. It also has pieces of it that's in BLM land, but the massacre covers that whole area. And the Thacker family were, uh, well, it was named after the family that was involved in that massacre back in the 1800s. So we've been out there and prayed on that land and asking for kindness and compassion from the system to not destroy that area, to not um, dig it up, hurt the wildlife, hurt, hurt the um, ecological system that's out there, and then the billions and gallons of water that it'll take to, to use to extract that lithium. Yeah, and that's uh, virtually out in the middle of a desert. They're going to be pumping from the, uh, the water table and drying up. Well, this is a beautiful, I like this. This is watercolor? Or? Yes, I, I'm, I've been painting watercolor for many decades, so I, I do bounce around. Um, many of my work is known for, no, I'm known for my watercolor, but um, depending on the message I'm trying to convey, I, I bounce around. And then I frame all my own art too. I have a frame shop in Reno uh, at my studio. So basically, um, yes, this one's watercolor and the women in their red skirts holding that spot rooted in the ground, if you will, you know, wow. holding it. Yeah. And simple, it's simple. Uh, uh, I guess you could say sometimes less is more. But I wanted to emulate the beauty of it and focus on the women. And then in this piece, you have the four circles representing the four directions. However you see them, you know, uh, uh, 
and and in many of my pieces I'm limited in the palette so there's not many many colors in it uh, they are painted red but it's how you see them you know in like I said depicting the four the four directions the four circles and the medicine that we receive from those directions to help us you know and our our fight now if you will or our resistance is we're in a very um, difficult period out there because the court system has agreed to let the lithium company dig and many of the tribes out there that uh, are holding that area have also agreed to let them dig so those of us that oppose that um, we feel what we have left is is the prayer to shift the mind and the spirit so that they're sensitive to what is there and then the bigger picture is that's the this will be the first mine of 23 other sites in Nevada so once the first one goes we foresee the others just snowballing and dig up the whole state of Nevada for lithium well, let's check out this one here because this one's very interesting as well because you painted it on some newspaper. Yes. Tell us I, about this. I, I, in this concept, I'm emulating that we can paint on anything. And many of our people back in the day, you know, initially we were painting on hides or even prior to that or at the same period, like on stone and rocks, some of the petroglyphs. But... Um, then once the government started recording us on ledger paper so there's ledger art where we were to take we took the paper and just drew on it because that's all we had there wasn't an art store <laughs> so my concept was to take specific newspapers from different parts of uh, our turtle island and i've used even other countries and paint on them a message so in this piece it was in 2019 that we uh, uh, as the American movement of northern Nevada brought a proclamation to the city council and we removed Columbus Day oh. so in this piece there's our drum circle and it was our first um, circle uh, in Reno where we uh, where it was indigenous people's day so it was a celebration which we don't get often and we don't get many victories from the government saying okay we're gonna allow this or give you this so I pieced those papers together and then again honored the women who stand with us and support us and uh, protect us and so in this piece I have the papers bonded together in the image of our drum circle with the women holding it and then one of the photographs in the paper you see all the women uh, in the bottom there oh, that's yeah. all the women that's the women there they are so it came into me uh, uh, so a, a lot of times images will come to me and I I'm repetitive because they're still inside my spirit and in my in my mind and so when I created the nipple point piece, I was trying to get, uh, come up with the idea of what do I want to depict here. And it was basically the same concept, but I used acrylic. And uh, it's really uh, fun to do and unique in that the papers are tailored specifically. So you have to 
catch the papers <laughs> yeah it's definitely beautiful so it has it has like the um the hauntingly image of the women with their red skirts um and they have their raised fist and mm -hmm. the paper is uh the newspaper of the time when they started celebrating yes. the indigenous people's day so one of the headlines says a new tradition takes hold in reno yes. oh, and then below that is the the newspaper photograph of the drum circle but then the painting of the woman is right near on part of that. Yeah. And then at the bottom it, and and at the top here, it has another little headline city celebrates first official indigenous people's day. Yeah. And there's a whole group of women, as you said, even a young girl, and they're all raising their fists. Some of them have their mouth open, like they're, they're voice vocalizing something. So, well, they're singing with this. <laughs> oh, they're singing. Okay. Yeah. 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 So but this is beautiful. Yeah. And that is the voice of the featured artist tonight, Ray Bacasegua Valdez. Yes. And tell people where they, if, you know they're not here and where could they like see some of your uh, art on the internet or how could they yeah. track you down and get a hold of you maybe somebody wants to get some of this yes you can go to uh, rayvaldezstudio.com and that's my website and um that would be the the easiest way and my emails in there and contact information um i'm also on um facebook ray valdez studio all right, uh, Ray Bacasegua Valdez, yes, thank it. you again for um, displaying your art here at Medicine for Nightmares. Thank you. Thank you. And that brings us to the end of tonight's show. Remember to check out our website, kpfaapprentice.org, just after the show or within 24 hours for all the links and information mentioned in tonight's show. Let me give a big shout out to the Pull Circle crew. Our executive producer is Miss M. Joy Moore is our production consultant. And me, Freewell and Franklin, I am the technical director for this show, Full Circle. And I have also been your host for tonight. One last chance. If you want to make a donation tonight, please go to kpfa.org and click on that donate tab. Grab yourself a KPFA shirt, hat, or tote bag. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening, everyone. Remember, while you're out there, to please protect your health and also your humanity. And stay tuned to KPFA. You know what's next. La Onda Bajita. Good night, everyone.